Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome into episode 54 of The Grid in honor of Brian Erlacher and as Mike pointed out, Chuck Howley, a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, one of the only players in NFL history to be a Super Bowl MVP on the losing team. A little trivia knowledge for you there. Well, the only sports show that's not live from Boulder, Colorado this week. <laughs> We're going to start off with some high school football. Mike, you had a heck of a you had a heck of a game this week. So we'll we'll start there. Yoakum Calhoun and this was one we were really interested in cuz the contrasting styles, how is it going to play out? What's the score going to look like? Time of possession. And that's where I'll show, shoot it to you, Mike. What, you know, what took place on the field when these two very different teams got out there? Well, it, I I don't know if it was exactly contrasting styles that I expected. Uh I'll say this, there were a lot of mistakes by both teams, uh, but it was a good, hard-played, clean game that uh, Yoakum ended up winning by virtue of what, it, what, what they won by is by stopping Calhoun on a two-point conversion attempt. But uh, what I saw from these two teams is one is um, Yoakum uh, continues to impress me. Zach Taylor, outstanding quarterback I mean, the thing I like about him is he's his uh, his intelligence on the field uh, he when he scrambles in the pocket he doesn't just take off he'll he'll look downfield and he oftentimes will find an open receiver and uh, you know that's you don't always see that in a high school quarterback that and of course um, you know as we talked about Xavier Barnett's outstanding athlete although uh, I thought Calhoun did a pretty good job of keeping him from uh, beating them. But uh, they Keon Williams had a big rushing game. He broke a big run in the second half. As far as Calhoun, I got news for you. They can throw the ball this year. They're not going to do it a lot, but they do what they've always done. They suck you up. You know, they suck those safeties up, and they'll sneak that guy out there. They missed a couple, but they also completed a couple. And uh, if they can keep that up, uh, they're going to be a tough match because, uh, you know, with their regular offense being able to control the ball and then you have to factor in the fact that they can throw a little bit, that's going to help them down the road. And we've talked about it with Calhoun where last year they were so – they got off to that. They got off to that slow start, and then they kind of peaked at the end of the year. Well, that's not the case this year. They're playing good football, kind of right from the start. You see, Yoakum's been a team that's impressed all of us this season, and they went, you know, right down to the wire. It came down to a two-point conversion with them. Yeah, that's true. And um, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, I asked Bo again. I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "I think once we start playing our own people, our own size, we're going to be pretty good." They have a. They still they play Gonzalez coming up this week. That's kind of a big rivalry, maybe not quite as big as Quero, but it's still a big rivalry. And then they have to go to Waco to play La Vega, before. And then when they start district, they get Hitchcock. So I mean, you know, it's not like they're getting a week off here or there. So uh, well, in that district, there are no yeah. weeks off. Well, except when you play Hempstead, maybe. But uh, you know, it, it they're they're a good football team. I. I still think the one area they need to really improve on is the offensive line. 
that's the one area. I mean, they broke some runs, but they, I don't know if they can consistently line up and run the football. And uh, that would be the one area. As far as Calhoun, um, they're not as big as they, they've been up front. And uh, that's a little bit of an issue for them, especially in that offense. Uh, they still have been able to move the ball. But, uh, like, I mean, if you look at what happened on the two-point conversion, uh, they kicked the point. It was actually good. But Yoakum gets a running into the kicker penalty or roughing the kicker. I'm not sure which. So that moves the ball to the one-yard line. Well, you don't think that Calhoun just can't line up and right. run, run a fullback dime and get a yard. Well, that's what happened. Um, now, whether or not Jace Campos was actually in the end zone or not, I don't know. It was very difficult to tell. Yeah. And uh, Richard Whitaker told me afterward that Jace said he put he, the ball was down in the end mm. zone. But regardless of that, I mean, it shows that it's not an automatic yeah. anymore. And uh, – they have some work to do up front. Well, that is the thing. Whenever you run the triple option or a veer or any kind of offense like that, one one of the things that I like to say is you just have to fundamentally believe you can get two yards at any time. Mm-hmm. Like that has, that has to be a fundamental belief. So, it, you know, that can shake you a little bit when you get that two-point conversion try from the one and don't get it. That can, that can shake you because that's just a fundamental in the offense of, hey, we got to be able to just – yeah. We ought to be able to just run it in like on on demand whenever whenever we want to. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I got a a, a text from uh, Richard Whitaker last week after the game. He said, "Well, Bo and I had lunch at Jim's, and uh, even though he he kicked my butt, is what he said." And I said, "Hey, beat you by one point, but, right?" But yeah, so they're still good buddies despite what happened. Yeah, that's always interesting to see that dynamic kind of the friendship dynamic play out you know coaching fraternity all these guys know each other they all talk to each other um well while you were in Yoakum, i waved by you on my way there and on my way back i was i was in shiner and you know last week coming in i you know i said what do i want to see i I wanted to be able to come back and say look they're improving they're getting better um and i thought you know east bernard just played ganado it was a relatively close game 38 27 it's like okay this is kind of a measuring stick for shiner see where they are well, they better hope it's not a measuring stick because forty-nine to seven was the final, and it was—I mean, it, it went as poorly as it could for Shiner. And we've talked about it on the show before, where they're young. That there's you know a lot of rebuilding going on. You lose you lose Dalton Brooks. You lose some of the guys they've lost. Ryan Peterson. Um, it's go, it's going to hurt, especially when you're a two-way school. You lose multiple Division One cal- caliber athletes. It's it's going to hurt, but. Uh, it is I was you know I went with the East Bernard guys I went on their radio show at halftime and you know they asked me as it was turning towards 0 and 4 it's like what they said is this like shocking how how are people dealing with it and like well it's not you look at the teams they've played it's not like they're playing the school of the blind or anything like they're playing really good teams but it is like you do not look, expect to look up in week five and see Shiner at 0-4. So that that's a shock value. But, you know, I got a chance to talk to Bedeker after the game, and he's he's excited for the opportunity to get in the district. They've been playing nothing but bigger schools up to this point, so that that plays a part in this. Once they get in the district play, I don't anticipate they're going to lose their next four games. Um, but it is it was jarring to see, you know, to see Shiner go and uh, – 
to see Shiner go and, you know, just get kind of pushed around start to finish and not be able to execute on offense, not be able to sustain drives. End of the half, you know, it was 13 nothing East Bernard. Shiner gets down to the five-yard line. It's like, okay, they're going to make it 13-7. They played a terrible first half, but they're only going to be down six. And they can't punch it in. You know, quarterback fumbles on fourth down. I mean, even if he didn't fumble, they, you know, he was getting sacked, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And it's just – you were just kind of like, wow. And, it, you know, Shiner's homecoming game, and you're seeing, you know, they're, they're used to running up the scores on people, and they were getting the score kind of ran up on them in a sense. So that was – it was shocking. It was it was shocking to me to see to see Shiner, and I'm very curious once they – I mean, you mentioned with Bo Robinson that he wants – you know, he's excited to get playing in school with some similar size. I'm excited to see that for Shiner as well. Because most years, you know, they play – you can go play 3A teams, and it's, you know – really good 3A teams, and they'll compete with them. They'll line up and hit them in the mouth. And But that's not this Shiner team. Our expectations, because of what the program's been for so long, are a little inflated. So I'm excited to see them against schools their size because they uh, – East Bernard really did handle them kind of start to finish in that one. Um, Jeremiah, you didn't even get a game this week because Mother Nature decided they didn't want to give you one. Uh, you were at Tide Haven Industrial, kind of. You know, you were kind of on top of the cancellations as you know, our game. You know, as games are getting called on Friday, you know, talk about what you know, what games got called. You know, what you know, what games didn't didn't get the chance to happen. Yeah, well, like Gabe said, I was there at uh, Industrial versus Tide Haven, and that one got called due to lightning. And you know, while I was there waiting for that one to see if it was going to get back, uh, you know, get playing started, uh, got the news that Edna's game versus Sinton was also canceled. That was an away game for for the Cowboys. And then uh, we also had a, a kind of a unique situation where uh, Quero's game against, uh, I believe it was Cal Allen, they had already played the first half, and then they had to call that one off uh, due to lightning. And then also uh, Pleasanton versus Gonzalez was canceled. But, Mike, I know it kind of brought up some conversation of uh, Quero, uh, you know, counting that game as a win because they had the lead after halftime and um, Cal Allen counting it as a no contest. Yeah, we've we've had this situation before. Every time we have weather, and uh, there's no UIL rule about a non-district game becoming an official game. So basically, you leave it up to the coaches, and uh, they're going to obviously have different interpretations depending on what benefits them. Um, when I spoke to um, Coach Fikach over at Quero about this, he said that uh, when they came out of halftime and the rain was coming down, they had looked at the radar, and uh, they thought that it was supposed to clear around 10 o'clock. They wanted to stay and finish the game, um, but the uh, Cal Allen coaches said, no, we're done. Now, okay, you can look at this a lot of different ways, but I will say this. Cal Allen has not lost a game at home in six years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I can't say for sure that and in, into their thinking, but, you know, it's very coincidental, I would say. Uh, Quero definitely wanted to play. Uh, so that so ultimately what's happened here is Quero is counting it as a win, and uh, I guess Cal Allen is counting it as a no contest, and there's nothing that can be done about it because uh, – there are no rules on it, and interestingly enough, Texas football is also counting it as a win for Quero, so that that is very interesting. 
What is the um, – in a district game, let's say West is playing Corpus Christi King this weekend. Storm blows through Victoria. It's 13 to 10 at halftime, let's call it. What's the what's the protocol there in a district well, game? Well, they would have to finish that game. They'd either have to come back the next day or they they could wait it out. Uh, in a uh, district game, you have to finish. Okay, so it's okay, it's you have to finish. Right. That. You finish the game gets suspended and you finish. Now, I I assume that let's say well, let's say you you couldn't get officials on Saturday and you had to wait till Monday. You could do that, but then what would happen is your next game would have to be played on Saturday because of the five-day rule. So that those things have happened, and uh, they do have rules for uh, for district games, but non-district is kind of the wild, wild west as we've seen. And uh, you know, for instance, I was told that uh, a lot of times in non-district games, teams don't even do contracts anymore; that they just agree to play. So if let's say in the second year of a home home, the one team decides we don't want to play you. You have nothing legally that you can bind them to play you. So it's kind of a kind of a weird situation. Yeah, I know. Non district scheduling has been tough, and I think as you know, when the football season ends and we get into you know in the winter time, we can discuss it more. But I've you know I've talked to coaches. I'm sure you guys have as well, and they, you know they're already starting the process of looking for non district games, and it's a. Uh, it's tough because no one wants to play up or down or anything like that. So it's a that's a but that's a topic for for another day. Uh, they, all of us were you know disappointed that that Quarrel Cal and game didn't finish because they're two really good teams in the general area. I guess Cal is not in our coverage area, but you know not too far away either. Uh, Jeremiah, I gotta say I was disappointed Tidehaven Industrial didn't happen because it's uh, you know Tidehaven's been they haven't allowed a point yet this season, um, and it you know. Ashton Garza would have been, you know, most likely the best quarterback they played up to this point. And that's one, I mean, you get a chance to talk to anybody because that's one I know in the in the region, a lot of people are disappointed, you know, that one didn't get to play out on the field. Yeah, no, didn't get a chance to talk to any of the players or anything, but you could definitely tell they were, uh, you know, eager to get on the field. It seemed like every five minutes or so, a few of the industrial players were walking out just to, you know, see the weather, see how uh, the conditions were looking, but... Uh, yeah, unfortunate that that one got canceled. Um, you know, industrial that would have been definitely their their biggest t- uh, test going up against number three Tidehaven. So, um, uh, yeah, definitely disappointed that it get, didn't get to be played. Um, but uh, you know, now both teams are kind of looking forward to a district. Yeah, it's a, kind of a weird spot. And I got the chance. I was at Edna yesterday for volleyball. I saw Jimmy Mitchell there in the crowd, among a lot of other people. Got a chance to talk to him a little bit. And, you know, last time I saw him was our Furio game, so we went back and forth on that a bit. But then it's also that, like, Edna's in a weird spot because they had their game called, and then they got a bye this week, and then they'll start district play. So the last time they got to go on the field was the end of that Refurio game, The you know, the controversial, you know, kick that shouldn't have happened 42 41 and so like Edna's just you know you, you just kind of sitting there seething waiting to get back on the field and it's it's a weird spot for them because they're gonna go two whole weeks without playing you know without playing a football game so that you know just kind of the way you know the way the way things break but I know that you know yeah I know Mitchell I know the Cowboys were disappointed that one uh that one didn't get to happen but I just thought I'd throw that in there because that's a I mean two whole two whole weeks off playing the game as a coach you can't you know you can't really plan for that yeah and it's tough uh although I know that we didn't have we had this situation in class 2a we used to where if 
you had the buy in the last week. Let's say you're in a you know an odd district, an odd number district. Uh, and also, if you won your district back in the day, you would get a buy in the first round. Mm-hmm. So if you had the off week and then a buy, you'd go three weeks. Oh man! And I talked to uh, Mark Kiroff at Fall City. He, he said he's been in that situation and he came up with a plan for it. So I'm sure Jimmy's trying to come up with some kind of plan uh, for Edna. Yeah, and I, I think the thing with you know the Fall City coaches back in the day, because you kind of know going into, okay, it looks like we're going to win the district. Right. Let's get ready. Well, this just happened Friday yeah. out of nowhere. So you know they go through you know all last week thinking, okay, we got a game Friday night. Let's you know we game plan to execute. Let's get the taste of you know the referral loss out of our mouth. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like, okay, well, the game just doesn't happen. Yeah. And now you're kind of, okay, now we have a bye. What? So I'm, cu- I'm curious to see what, uh, what um, you know, what they do in practice this yeah. week. That would be an interesting – and I got to, you know. Yeah, it's, and not only that, you're worried about uh, how sharp will you be. Yeah. When I think they play London, they have yeah. to go to London. They're going to London. And, uh, you know, you worry about we're not going to come out flat, are we, because we haven't played in three weeks. So uh, – you know, that's a concern. Yeah, that is a concern. And, you know, I got a chance to talk to Courtney Boyce this week, the West head coach, as I do every week. And he mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, our bye week practice, some of those physical practices we had this year. And we'll talk more about that in the next segment, right after we hear this message from White Trash Services. You know, Mike, that's what they call a tease in the business. Call that, right. a, call that a tease. <laughs> we'll see you in a minute. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ. Why Trash Services, what is it, and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 361- Five five zero one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we're back with episode 54 of The Grid. And we got both Victoria schools coming off buys this week, opening up district play as well. And in a game that I think is going to be one of the most important games of the year in District 14 5A, Division 1 or Division 2. Um, the game I think will be one of the most important games of the year. Uh, Victoria East versus Corpus Christi Carroll. That will happen down in Corpus Christi tomorrow, Thursday, September 21st. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Jeremiah will be down there for that one. Jeremiah, I know you've been out at Victoria East this week talking to players, talking to coaches. What's the sense you get from them as they approach, you know, what's a game that could potentially determine a playoff spot, even though it's only September? Yeah, well, uh, you know, when I first talked to you know Coach Reeve, one of the first things he said is, you know, Although it's the first district game, it's, you know, one of the biggest for them just because, like you said, the stakes, uh, 
you know, as far as, you know, playoff seating and, and stuff like that, getting that loss, uh, you know, possibly two spots, which we would assume, uh, you know, uh, Corpus Christi vets and Miller would, you know, get the first two two uh, spots if they, you know, play up to, to their talent level. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, first district game for, for Victoria East after that bye, uh, they had kind of a tough loss against Gregory Portland, uh, you know, in, in week three. And, uh, you know, kind of the sense that I got was they just want to play a full a full four quarters. Uh, you know, it seemed like almost every game that they've played, uh, even in the win that they had week one, they started off really good, uh, you know, continued and then kind of, you know, fell off towards the end of the game. So I think that's going to be a, a, a really, uh, you know, big thing is if the Titans can play a full four quarters and, uh, you know, just be able to compete in the entire game. Yeah, that's, um, again, so for those, you know, unfamiliar, Jeremiah kind of went through it a second ago. The uh, last season, it was, you know, Corpus Christi Miller, Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi Vets finishing atop the district. And then Victoria West, Victoria East got three and four. Carroll was fifth. Talked to both, you know, both Victoria coaches in the preseason. I asked them, who's the team that didn't make the playoffs last year that, you know, could potentially make that jump that y'all see as a sleeper? And kind of before I could finish the question, both of them said Carroll. And so they, you know, both coaches had this game circled. For East, it happens the first game of district. So, uh, you know, I mean, like you said, Reeve even mentioned it when you talked to him. Like, hey, this this is a really a really important game. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned playing a complete. You mentioned them playing a complete game. Uh, did Reeve give you like what challenges does Carroll present for them? What you know, what makes them difficult to kind of play against? I think when you look at Carroll's offense, uh, you know, Reeve was saying that they're they're really balanced. I think they have like 400 yards rushing and 500 passing so they can uh you know they're, they're not you know one trick pony they can you know get you in uh, multiple ways so I think uh you know for his team I think it's going to start with the run defense obviously in that loss against Gregory Portland gave up over 400 yards uh um so I think uh they're going to have to kind of focus on the run and then be able to slow down the pass um on uh on on defense and then when you look at offense uh you know Casey Coley he's going to be back at quarterback he missed the game against Gregory Portland. His last game was, uh, you know, in week two against uh, – uh, my mind's blanking right now, but the week two game they played. Um, so he's, you know, had, had a long time off, but he's going to be back, uh, you know, hopefully to get some of his, uh, you know, receivers involved early. And then I think uh, Nigel Prater is going to continue to to run the ball, even though uh, he's a receiver. He's going to continue to get the ball in that wildcat formation and, you know, hopefully he's break off some big plays like he did in week one. So I remember talking to Reeve in the preseason, and he had told me he was hoping that by the time district play began, they would settle on a, on a quarterback. Is is the competition still going on? You mentioned Casey Coley a minute ago. Is the competition still going, or is he or is he the guy? What's the what's going on at the quarterback position over there? Yeah. So uh, what it sounds like is uh, you know Coley's the guy. Uh, he did miss the last game. Uh, that was due to team procedures, uh, you know, stuff dealing with that. So Partita got that start, but. It, uh, you know, it sounds like Coley's, uh, you know, going to be the starter, uh, you know, heading the rest of the season. All right. So, interested to see, you know, that's kind of a storyline we've been following throughout the year, that quarterback battle. So, it looks like Casey Coley is the guy as, you know, Tory East plays the seven most important games on their schedule, you know, starting on Thursday night. So, that'll be a fun thing to watch. Uh, I will get to stay at home this week. I'm going to go anywhere like you guys. I will be at Victoria West versus Corpus Christi King. And like uh, Victoria East, the Warriors are coming off their bye week. And got a chance to go out there earlier today. 
they're really like buying into and embracing this like you know it's a new start they get you know they get the bye week everyone's zero and zero in district play and so they're kind of embracing that you know that new start that fresh mindset type of deal non-district obviously did not go the way they wanted it to they you know they went oh and three played some played some really good teams got some tough results um but they're, they're you know that that's the mindset right now is you know everyone's zero and zero these are these are the games that matter our goals are still in front of us a couple things for west you know kamari montgomery he had suffered an ankle injury in the first game didn't play in their second game against uh against leander glenn he's back you know full strength now so they're excited to have him back also the one receiver who had some experience who had a good amount of experience coming into the year was the jv esteen he missed the first two games with an inj- with a knee injury going back into camp. He uh, he played a little bit against Alice. He's back. He's full go now. So having him out there, I mean, Boyce has been high on the speed of the of West all season long. So that you know having him back out there, he might be the fastest of all their wide receivers. So getting Jay Steen back there is uh back in there. And now he's had you know he had the game against Alice. He practiced that full week. He's had the full bye week to go through, and now he's gets this full week of practice. So it feels like they're kind of back in the swing of things they like the way the offense working they like the way the chemistry is working as they play king this week i just think it's important for west to get off to a good start because it could you know they have not played well in non-district so getting off to a good start and just playing with a lead for what would really be the first time this season just kind of getting i can't believe i'm saying this word on the podcast but the vibes getting the good vibes going on the on the west sideline i think you know Allowing that to get going and not letting any kind of the doubt creep in, just get a win. Last year they beat King. I think the score, the final score was seventy-two to twenty. So getting, you know, I know they'd love to see a repeat of that on the scoreboard again, but just kind of get, you know, getting into a rhythm, playing well, getting those good vibes going over there on the sideline. I think that's, you know, that's the most important thing for West this weekend is just to start strong and like let that momentum build instead of, you know, as you start slow, does the doubt kind of creep in from the previous weeks? Uh, Mike, we talked about Quero earlier, and you get a chance to go watch Quero this weekend. They'll be playing Beeville, two four and teams. Although Callen might disagree with Quero's four and zero, but two four and teams according to Texas High School Football. Um, talk about you know talk about what you expect from that one. I know you've talked to Fikosh this week. What do you you know what are you looking for in the game that should you know that should be a lot of fun? Yeah, it's interesting. I spoke to both coaches this week. Uh, this is uh, one of two 4-0 games we have this week, the other being Weimer at Holland, which is kind of a surprise, I think, for Weimer. But uh, Holland's the favorite in that district. We'll see right away. Well, we'll see. Weimer, before you go any further, when I was talking the coaches, because I had that district for our district preview, and there was a sense from the coaches I talked to, like, we think Weimer's going to make a jump this year. So, you know. Kind of good to see that another area team, second year coach yeah. over there, starting to starting to do the job. Well, they have two rushers that have combined for about uh, I think about nine hundred yards, so uh, they're obviously that, piling up some big numbers up there. Well, uh, that helps. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. we'll see. Uh, Holland is definitely the district favorite, so we'll see yeah. right off the yeah. bat there. But uh, as far as Quero and Beeville. Um, spoke to both coaches. They brought up last year's game, and that was pretty interesting because at halftime. Uh, Quero led 28-21. The final score was 82-28. So, obviously, in the second half, things uh, went well for Quero and not well for uh, Beaver. 82? Yeah. Good I Lord. mean, they, they put it on them. I mean, you know, you're talking about, what, 54 points in the uh, second yeah, half. Yeah, a lot of po- – more yeah. math than I can do. Yeah, so uh, – 
that was kind of the starting point for Quero's run last year. Uh, they, they, I, I, Coach Fikas said at halftime he, he kind of laid into him and told him, you know, hey, we need to play like we're capable of playing and not play to the level of our opponent. And they obviously got that message, and they took off from there. Um, this year, uh, you know, they've had some bumps. Uh, they've turned the ball over. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they're playing well, and uh, they've done a good job. They're, they're not playing easy opposition. You know, they played Cal Allen, and uh, they played – well, El Campo was without Oliver Miles. That made a big difference. Uh, but, I mean, Yoakum. Yeah, Yoakum was a good team. So, uh, and then you flip it over to Beeville. Um, last year, Beeville, they came into this game 3-1. and one. They were 3-0, and oh, and then they went in, in the Somerset, and Somerset beat them pretty handily. And uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Chris Sosa, the coach at Beeville, told me, he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, that I'd like to forget about that game, but I can't. He said that was one of his most humiliating defeats. Which I understand, and uh, he wasn't mad at Quero so yeah. much as he was mad at what happened to his team. Yeah. So I think he he says he likes this year's team because they're very unselfish, and they they've been doing what's necessary to win games, and that's the kind of thing you like to see. And both teams go into this game after this game, they'll have a bye, and then they'll start district play. So uh, this will be a, you know a good test for both of them. Yeah, this is um I imagine whenever eighty two twenty eight, when whenever there's a result like that, all off season, you know, teams will go and they'll put stuff up in the locker room and different motivating things. I just imagine there's like a eighty two twenty eight sticker or poster hanging in the weight room or the locker room is you know, Beville's had this one circled and they you know, there's a, there's some wrongs they wanna write, I imagine. So they, you know, just kinda in Beville side leading up to this game, that's uh I meant, you know, no need to find motivation ahead of this one. Also, Beville, I love going to the Chili's there post game. I love getting the chips and salsa. So I don't know if you'll be doing that, but that's what I do when I go to Beville. Well, I'll say this: uh, Beville runs, you know, a variation of the wing tee. That that's what uh, Chris Sosa's run for yeah. years and years. So uh, that means Quero is going to be incumbent on the Quero defense to be disciplined. Yeah. Because you know you you get out of position on that defense, and all of a sudden you're watching the guy running yeah. downfield. Well, I tell you when I when I watched Quero earlier this year, and I know El Campo didn't have Oliver Miles, but man, their defensive line looked really really good. And that you know against a, a wing T offense, if you can win the line of scrimmage like that, it it gets a lot harder to run that. So that I mean that'll kind of be an early indicator right away. Who you know if Quero can win the line of scrimmage, that bodes very well for them. If Beville can win up front, then you know then they can really run their offense put Quero in some difficult positions. Uh, Jeremiah, you're doing double duty this Friday night. You'll be going out to Industrial and Goliad, and that'll be a that'll be an interesting one. You know, second time seeing, you know, should be your third time, but second time now seeing, <laughs> seeing Industrial. Talk about, you know, what you expect ahead of this one. You know, Industrial, again, we talked about it with Edna a minute ago. Wasn't supposed to be a bye, ends up being a bye. Kind of a weird spot for them. Goliad. Really good defensively is kind of what you know what we know what we know about them. Talk about what you, you know what you're expecting, what you're wanting to see in this one. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm expecting obviously uh, it to be a good game for both teams. Uh, Goliad also, I was talking to Coach Salazar yesterday, and he said that their game against Jordanton, uh, they had about an hour and a half uh, lightning delay, uh, but they did end up finishing that game. Jordanton won 41 to 20. So um, 
you know, uh, you know, Salazar was just saying how he, he was uh, glad that his team was able to, you know, be healthy into this first district game against Industrial. And then, uh, you know, when you look at Industrial, obviously coming off of that, you know, bye week that they had, um, uh, I think they, uh, you know, should should be able to, uh, you know, start off hot. Now, obviously, Ashton Garza, one of the better QBs in our area. Um, I'm expecting him to, you know, run the ball a lot. Um, uh, also get some receivers involved. And then, uh, like you said, Goliad's defense is, you know, coming into the season, that was, uh, you know, one of the, the big areas that they said that they were really excited for. Uh, in two of the games, they held their opponents to under seven points. And then, uh, obviously, the loss last year where they gave – last week where they gave up 41. And then week one uh, had a tough team in, in Tidehaven. They gave up 30 in that game. So, uh, you know, for, for Salazar, I think he's really hoping this defense can step up in this, uh, you know, district season and then uh, – yeah, it should be a good game between those uh, t- two tough teams. Yeah, I imagine both coaches, Naren and Salazar, they're thinking, okay, well, Goliath played Tidehaven. Well, now Industrial is going to play him. We're going to get, okay, we're going to get film. We're playing the same opponent. We're going to, you know, kind of know where we stack up. But now the game doesn't happen. So, throw, you know, the game plan for this week, it throws everything off for, for those coaches. I imagine just both coaches kind of sitting there, like, I can't believe we didn't get yeah. to see that one play out. Yeah, and also, you know, last year this game basically decided uh, second place yeah. in district. So it's a, it's a big game. Um, I think uh, last year at Industrial won by like one or two points. It was very close. So, uh, it's yeah, definitely a big game to start district. Yeah, excited to see that one play out. And we're going to go to break here. Message from Thrivent Financial. And then Jeremiah and I were out in the volleyball courts this week. We'll talk about that when we come back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back with episode 54 of The Grid. We're going to wrap this up with some volleyball. And, uh, Jeremiah, you got a chance to go to Goliad last night and see the number one team in the 3A TGCA poll, and that is the Goliad Tigerettes. Um, dominant once again in district play, which, as Mike said you know, a minute ago, the more things change, the more they, uh, the more they stay the same. Yeah, another dominant win over Mathis. Uh, Mathis only was able to score 11 uh, points in the entire match. So, um, I mean, you kind of expect that when, when you're facing the number one team in the state in Goliad. Um, uh, and, you know, it was kind of similar players who stepped up. Kyla Hill, she had 11 kills. Um, Isabel Sanchez, she had 26 assists. And uh, Sanchez is one of, one of the two uh, freshmen uh, or two freshmen that played uh, uh, yesterday on the team that uh, – you know that that have been a uh, you know putting their impact on this uh, you know this year's uh, Goliad team and it seems like every year Goliad it always has uh, you know a lot of freshmen that contribute. Last year it was Carolyn Youngblood who uh, you know she's still playing on this team. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know kind of what my story was about uh, on this game was you know the uh, the youth of Goliad and how they kind of continue to get good players from from the middle school and uh, you know it's contributed to their what it's not now a hundred plus district winning streak. Yeah, I was at Goliad. I was there last week, and I was there, you know, about a month and a half ago when they had their scrimmage. And something I was blown away by a month and a half ago when I went was, you know, different towns. It's like, oh, it's a football town or it's a basketball town or different things. Goliad's really like a volleyball area. 
And even like the parents and the infrastructure as they lead up in the high school team for volleyball, it's really well set up. A lot of these kids are coaches' kids. And so they come in like very intelligent and ready to play. Um, and I know coming into the year, they, they knew they were going to be young and they were going to be playing a lot of uh, a lot of freshmen. And they were, you know, okay, let's see. You know, we have a tough non-district schedule. Let's see how this works out. It might take, you know, might be a little bit of growing pains. Well, there, I think they're twenty-six and three now. If that, if I have that correct, they're twenty-six and three, and they're the number one team in the state. And that's something they've been really surprised by. Is uh, they've they've been surprised that the freshmen have not stepped up and contributed the way they did, but how quickly it's happened. How quickly the group has gelled together, and they're playing really, really well right now. And they're. Uh, I mean, seeing them play, it's hard to see that district winning streak coming to an end anytime soon. Something, to, something to watch out for. So their final non-district game, they played against uh, they played against Gregory Portland. They took them five sets. They won three two. Um, Kyla Hill had twenty six kills in the game. Goliad head coach Jess Odom holds the school record for kills in a match with twenty seven. And so that's something Kyla's gunning for this year. I got a chance to talk to her last week. And she's gunning for it. And it's she had, you know, it was a three-set match last week when I went. And she had 20 kills in that one. But she kind of needs these games to go four and five <laughs> sets. So she has a chance at that 27. So that's kind of game within the game. Something to watch out for there. She's really she's really hoping for that. While, while Jeremiah was in Goliad, I was at uh, Industrial Edna, which, guys, by the way, that's the best high school volleyball crowd I've had since I've been here. And I know Industrial Edna is a big rivalry game. You know, they're right next to each other. Um, but that gym for you know for a volleyball game that's easily the best crowd I've seen. So shout out to both sides for that. That was a it was a fun environment to cover in. But industrial and on the road, raucous crowd. Industrial is a pretty young team themselves. Stayed composed, stayed to the plan, didn't make a ton of mistakes. Their backline did a really good job, just not letting the ball drop. And it was close throughout. First set was twenty five twenty three. Last set set was twenty six twenty four. But Industrial gets the sweep of Edna, a district rival, and a, and a game that is going to determine some playoff positioning most likely in that district, 25-3A. So big, you know, big win for Industrial. And that, you know, talking to, you know, head coach Tara Dunn after the game, something she had said that something they did in the program this year, she said, we're not going to get on them for errors. It's just, hey, let's just move on. Let's just move on. And she said in the preseason, it was hard because they'd see the players make mistakes. And as a coach, you want to – correct it in a moment but they're trying to you know just let okay you made an error let's move on next play next play next play and she thinks that mentality they're starting to come around and they're starting to kind of reap the rewards from that as the players when there are adverse situations they start off the first set up 10 to 2 and at one point they fall behind 20 to 19 they're able to recover from that win 25 23 they're down 24 22 in a third set looks like we're heading to a four set they call timeout. They get it together. They go on a 4-0 run. Matches over. They win 26-24. So they're starting to reap the. They think they're starting to reap the rewards from that of just like, hey, errors happen. Let's move on. Let's play the next point. And they think you know it's starting to come around. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Also, Columbus and Yokum, the two regional finalists from Region Four last season, are in that district. So it'll be fun to you know kind of see how how that one plays out. And we can't end the show without mentioning that Victoria East and Victoria West, they get on the floor next Tuesday for their first game of the year. I got a chance to talk to both coaches last week. Um, 26-0, that's West's record against East since the two high schools came in. That is something. Talking to Coach Gomez last week, 
That's something they intend on keeping. He said, I, he, he said it straight out. I expect it to be 28-0 by the end of the season. Uh, you know, got a chance to talk to Coach Spradley as well. She had said, I just want us to stay positive. We feel like we're building something here. And similar to what I said about industrial and Coach Dunn earlier, they think there's some of the rewards from what they're building that they think they're starting to, the fruit's starting to bear. So that's what Coach Spradley, as they entered North Zone play, we get the North and South Zone that no one likes, but we have to deal with anyway. That as zone play begins, she thinks some of those fruits are starting to bear, like the positive culture that you know she thinks she's been able to instill since becoming the coach over there. So she wants to see that continue to build and continue to grow. And a little also subplot there, Coach Spradley was on the sideline with Coach Gomez and Alicia Hill last year at Victoria West, and now she'll be uh, on the other sideline this year for Victoria East. And Spradley's a West graduate as well. So something to watch for there. That's an interesting game within the game stuff. But, guys, I think that just about does it for Episode 54 of The Grid. Another week of high school football, another week of volleyball. We got fall sports. This is our most fun time of the year to be out here. I'm unapologetic in saying that. I'm Gabe Myers, alongside of me as usual, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you next week.